following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Good morning. Mm, today, happy sad day. Happy sad. Um, happy because we start working through Second Timothy this morning. Sad because Second Timothy is the last of Paul's letters. Um, so we're going to look at Second Timothy today. That's page nine nine five in the Pew Bibles. If that's helpful to you. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to be together as a family this morning, gathered around your word and worship, prayer. God, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is present among us this morning. We pray that your spirit will speak through your word. God, we thank you for the freedom that we enjoy to gather around your word this morning to examine what you have said And we thank you that you have given us a great gift of scripture. Your word is spoken, written, and preserved for us. So, Lord, we entrust this time to you. We pray your spirit would speak, that our ears would be open and our hearts would be soft. We love you, Lord, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, happy said, it's the beginning of the end. Um. For those of you who don't know, we have been working through the letters of the Apostle Paul in the approximate order that they were delivered originally. Um, And we started with 1 Thessalonians. Anybody remember when that was? (laughs) It was not last week. We started June 29th, 2012. We have been working on this project for six years. uh, more than six years. It's incredible. And now we are beginning Paul's very last letter, the letter uh, we call 2 Timothy. Timothy probably didn't say when it opened the mail, oh, 2 Timothy, hooray. (laughs) It's another second letter to Timothy from the Apostle Paul. And as we've uh, we talked about this before, that Paul's letters, all 13 of them, he wrote most of the New Testament, these, uh, they can be broken down into three groups. Those letters broken down in three groups. And if you are not aware, I'll tell you again, uh, even if you are, that the way that, um, the order that these letters are in, in the Bible is not chronological. So Paul did not write Romans first and, uh, Titus last. Uh, they are in order according to length, not chronological. I guess that made sense to somebody somewhere. But um, anyway, we've been trying to do these chronological. So the, the, these three groups of letters, um, the early group, the middle group, and the late group, for lack of a better term. Um, the early group was... Uh, written to help establish young churches in the gospel. Um, these letters were written to brand new baby churches um, that needed to be established in their understanding of the gospel and its implications in your lives, in their lives. And that is precisely why we started this work. 
uh, over six years ago because that was us. We're a tiny baby congregation um, uh, really starting over, um, and we needed to be established in our understanding of the gospel and its implication for a life. And that group of letters, is, um, if, in case you're curious, uh, Galatians, First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Corinthians, and Romans is that group with that uh, that purpose. The middle set of letters uh, was written from a Roman prison. We can also call these a prison epistles. These were letters written to churches for instruction and exhortation, encouragement, and in some cases rebuke. Um, they were designed to instruct uh, the growing churches on God's mission for the church and how they could participate in that mission. Um, and those are letters of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. And the last three letters of Paul that we've been working on most recently called the pastoral epistles. This includes 1 Timothy, Titus, and 2 Timothy. And... Um, and after those, you don't hear any more from the Apostle Paul. Didn't write any more letters after Second Timothy. He's an old man when he writes these letters. Um, he's finishing his course and completing the task that God had given him. Um, it was given him directly by the Lord Jesus. And now he's passing the torch on to other reliable men uh, who would in turn teach others. And that's, that's kind of where we're at here with Second Timothy. We're starting on the last of those three letters this morning. And as is our custom, when we start a new letter, we're going to read the whole thing um, and take it all in and let the Word of God speak for itself. Uh, we're going to do that in a few minutes. Now, I don't know how your imagination is when you read the Scripture, if your imagination is engaged at all. I just want to tell you, and that this might be kind of controversial, it's okay to use your imagination when you read a scripture. And I, I, I think far too often it just becomes academic and we're just looking for facts. That is probably just me. You can, you've been imagining all this time. You don't know what my problem is. Uh, for me, usually, uh, seem to be kind of cold and academic and I don't, I don't want that to be true of you. So when I do imagine Paul writing this letter to Timothy, I think old man, Frail. He's finishing the race, right? He's preparing to die. This is, this is Paul's letter, his farewell letter to Timothy, his farewell letter to ministry, and really his farewell letter to life. Um, and that's kind of, that's kind of sad. That's why it's kind of a sad day. So I think of Paul as this frail, weak old man. But as I was studying this letter and reading the commentaries, um, I read a quote from John Calvin that truly really changed how I viewed this, uh, how I viewed Paul when he's writing this epistle. Uh, even how I heard his voice in my head when I read it. Um, I no longer hear the voice of a weak old man pausing <coughs> to cough every once in a while and catch his breath. Timothy, my son. Not like that. I don't hear that anymore. I hear the voice of what Calvin called a conqueror hastening to a glorious triumph, which is a clear testimony of wonderful uh, confidence. This That's different. <laughs> that's not weak, frail, sick old man. Paul did not die 
from sickness. He was martyred. Uh, tradition says he was beheaded, um, not with an axe, but with a sword, on a road, not in a trial, um, but on a road. Uh, scripture doesn't describe that, so that's why I say it's tradition. But a conqueror hastening to a glorious triumph. Do you think about it that way? See, this is where it's, you're free to engage your imagination. Paul's life did not end with a whimper. His life ended with confidence and boldness, a confidence of the hope that it had in Jesus, confident that he had done all that the Lord had asked him to do, and boldness in proclaiming the good news of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ by the grace of God to the very end. Paul gave all there was to give. Uh, in his sport, we often hear the expression, he left it all on the field. He didn't save anything, didn't hold back. He poured himself out to the very last drop. Is that what you aspire to when you think about your life in faith? Do you want to give all there is to give or you hold back? Paul gave it all until there was nothing left. And when he saw that the end was near, he made the effort to write out the things that were the most important to those for his, the most important things for his loved ones to know. So this is the testament of the dying Paul to his spiritual son, Timothy. A reminder to him to be bold and faithful in the face of hardship and persecution. So, let's look at the words. Look at the words of the Lord through the last words of his servant, Paul. So we look at Second Timothy, start chapter 1. Verse 1, page 995 in the Pew Bible. Listen to the words of the Lord. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed, for I know who I'm, whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. 
You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Figilus and Hermogenes. Just say it with confidence. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Anisiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant to find mercy. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you know well all the service he rendered at Ephesus. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. That they may, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things. And charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hamanius and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with the foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, 
abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from all of them, the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith." Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with the present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be aware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. 
At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila in the household of Anisiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill, at Miletus. Do your best to come to me before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you as to Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. May the Lord be blessed by the public reading of his word this morning. I look forward to digging deep into this letter, and I would love to stand here and talk to you about it all day. But for now, we'll let the word of God speak for itself. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we are grateful for your word. And we're grateful that there's a sermon there for us. We're thankful that you have preserved these words for thousands of years for us to read. We thank you for your servant Paul and how through him you influence the entire world for the gospel, reaching all the way from Jerusalem to Ossipi, New Hampshire, and beyond. God, we entrust this word to you this morning. We pray that you be glorified among your church, by your people. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.